0: Finishing up our series on the missional God, life with the missional God. God has a mission, and he draws us in to be part of it. This is our conclusion of that, although it never really concludes, right? It's ongoing. The mission mission continues. But this is, we'll conclude this particular sermon series. Here now, uh, God's word from 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 7 brothers and sisters i could not address you as people who live by the spirit but as people who are still worldly mere infants in christ i gave you milk not solid food for you were not ready for it indeed you are still not ready you are still worldly for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you you are not are you not worldly Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants. Through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So. Neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Come, Holy Spirit, bless our reading of your word, our conversation with your Holy Spirit. We love you and we thank you. You are faithful. Amen. Amen. Well, let's be clear about what the problem is with the Corinthian church, and they got problems. And it's encouraging to see that, isn't it? Like, it's not about the church having it all together. It never has been. Churches are human. We're all human. And the Corinthians were human. And their humanity was in full display. Notice how Paul speaks to them here. He says, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Well, he's talking about their spiritual history. He's talking about where they started. Of course, you start from ground zero with anybody who is new to the faith. You got to start somewhere. As one Bible scholar put it, it is inevitable that those who have been just one for Christ should be mere infants in Christ. We all started there. Maturity comes from growth and development. Paul's problem is not that they were once infants. Paul's problem is that they still are. They should have outgrown that state long since, says the commentator. And that's Paul's issue. The Corinthian church is in a state of arrested development. They're stuck. Why? We got jealousy. We got quarreling. Both terms, the Greek uh, scholars will tell us the Greek suggests self-assertion, the self and unhealthy rivalries. We get a clue in verse three and four. Are not are you not acting like mere human beings? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Well, we know who Paul is, formerly Saul. He used to persecute the church. We know that from the book of Acts. God got a hold of him. The Lord knocked him on his behind, and then the guy converted and became an incredible spokesman for the gospel that's Paul Saul become Paul but who was this guy apollos well new testament scholar bradley blue points out according to acts 18 apollos was a jew from alexandria some early christians heard this guy speaking in a synagogue and they went recruit him and they did they connected with him because he had, he got he had skills so they recruited him taught him more about christianity And then he went on to teach. Fast forward to this moment and now we've got divisions going on. We don't know exactly the precise outline of what went down with Apollos. But the wind up is this. It sounds like Apollos was an eloquent chap. A gifted orator. But his focus on his gifts began to displace his focus on the giver. And other people's focus on his gifts began to displace their focus on the giver. That's why they're stuck. They've become knocked off center as a church. Paul's letter to the church at Corinth is an attempt to yank them back to center. Listen to chapter 1. Paul says, Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach. And not with words of eloquent wisdom. You hear a little dig because this guy, Apollos, was apparently uh, quite an orator. So he's, Paul's saying, hey, you're too caught up in the oratorial uh, qualities of Apollos. He says, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. But God chose what is foolish in the world. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing, to, bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Whew, that's a lot in there. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Mm. Read between the lines. This This is a correction. This is him trying to yank them back to the center. Apollos and the people of Corinth, at least some in his faction, allowed this guy's gifts and abilities and their impact to displace their focus on God. And so the ministry in Corinth lost his way. This hits home today. If you want to read a powerful story of that happening in modern times, of this very thing happening in modern times. Here, listen, check out, tune in to Christianity Today's podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill Church. I think every pastor, every leader should study this thing. I listen to it regularly. It is powerful. It is about Mark Driscoll and the ministry there completely losing its way, where it became too centered on him and it's not to just beat up on Mark. Mark is a child of God. Jesus loves him, okay? What it is, is though a reminder that as Mark and that church lost their way, so we all can lose our way. And you don't have to be a pastor of a three or five or 10,000 church, or whatever. Scale it up, scale it down. There is a way that you, we, any of us in any moment in any ministry can find ourselves displacing God and trying to put our stuff at the center. Whether it's in your small group or in your big leadership group and everything in between. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow the purpose-driven life. I follow missional leadership. I follow the seeker-sensitive model. I follow the disciple-making model. I follow traditional worship, liturgy. I I follow contemporary worship. You know what I'm saying? Now these people and many of these ideas aren't bad. They all they have their place. But it's never the center. They are never what we boast in. On the contrary, they are diakonoi. Servants. Whether it's a person or a theory or an idea, they serve. And the Greek for that is diaconoi, which is where we get deacon. All of these theories and ideas and forms that we have. They serve the center, but they are not the center. The rise and fall of Mars Hill is a warning to us all about the constant battle to serve the center and not be the center. And that's a battle that runs through all of us. I planted the seed Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. This is quite radical. Paul, later on in this letter, will actually list the gifts out that the church people have. So he's not saying we're like passive, you know, And stuff just happens to us, right? No, God has a role for us. He gives his church. God gives us and uses us. And Paul writes about this. And he affirms this. And we're all about affirming this here. But here, before he does that, he's laying the theological groundwork for it. He's putting it in proper perspective. We're to be faithful to our assignments, but we're to leave the outcome in God's hands. Our gifts and our graces serve the center, but they are never the center. In the space of five verses, Paul highlights the reality and presence of God six times, verses five through nine. The Lord has assigned each to his task, five verse five. God has been making it grow, verse six. Only God who makes things grow, verse seven. We are God's co-workers, verse nine. You are God's field, God's building, verse nine. The verb in Greek, making it grow, scholars tell us, is in the imperfect. Whereas the the um, work of Paul and Apollos is in the aorist in Greek. That's completed. So Paul and Apollos, water and plant, completed. God makes it grow. God is the living center. The center of the center. It's not that we're to be passive. It's that we're to give our gifts to the center and surrender them to the center. We have assignments. We have roles as God's co-laborers. We plant, we water. But Paul's point is all of that, even at its best, amounts to nothing without God. Jim and I were talking recently about, the Jim Bjorn and I were talking recently about the growth of children and family ministry here. And it's just so exciting. Jim, though, summed it up so well in our conversation. He said at one point in our conversation, he said, we're not seeing new children and families being involved in our children's program because we renovated some rooms. We're seeing what's happening because God is on the move. It's essentially what he said. Amen. Not that the work didn't matter. Of course it matters, right? But we give that to a center and then God does the work. Methods and plans and ideas are what we plant, but God brings the growth. As a mentor of mine once said, All we ever bring to Jesus is our loaves and our fishes. And it's our Lord who multiplies them for his work. Little becomes much when you put it in the master's hands. As one of my other mentors said, there's something so freeing about that. We bring what we bring, that is our purpose And then we give it to God. Verse 8 is clear. A little later on in verse 8 it says, The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their labor. So God sees our work. It matters. And Paul assures us here, God sees it will be rewarded. Not in the sense of earning salvation or earning status with God. But hearing God's well done. That's biblical. But even that work is never really ours. Because it's given into God's greater work. We work into God's work. It's a good way to end our series on life with the missional God to realize that it is never us who are saving the day. It is God who graciously includes us and in his saving the day. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. We are, we are co-workers. We have fields and buildings, but it all belongs to God, not us. That is freeing. We are most freed to life with our missional God when we remember above all that it's God's mission. So we give our all and then we let it go. That is, is after all, what it means to give, isn't it? You give all, you loosen your grip. When we let go and we let God, as they say, a little bit of AA recovery wisdom, right? Let go and let God there's a lot of wisdom in that. And that isn't passive. I mean, have you tried letting go? <laughs> That's not passive. You go for it and then you let it go, right? Go for it and let it go. And watch what God does. When you try to grip and try to control, you know, when you, we all have an Apollos in us, right? I mean, some level, but it's tiring. Because that kind of sense of... You know, living at the center is tiring. Taking all that on is tiring. It'll crush you. It'll crush you. And if you're not careful, it'll crush others around you, which is what happened at Mars Hill. Trying to grip and control is its own kind of slavery. But letting go? Letting go and letting God... Giving your all and then letting it go and trusting God with it, it is so freeing. When you know it's God who makes it grow, you put it out there, then that frees you from failure's fatality as Max Lucado wrote one time. We are freed from failure's fatality. We don't have to fret that. Just give our all and let it go. That whole uh thing, pray, what is it? Pray like it all depends on God, work like it all depends on you. That's terrible folk theology. I say pray like it all to, to pray like it all depends on God, and work like it all depends on God. Because that's when you're gonna be freest to work. You work into God's faithfulness. You have mission in the palm of God's hand. And as you do that. You're freest to sing a new song, to reach out to that new person, to try new stuff, to take risks, to let go and let God let go your efforts into God's hands, knowing that God is always going to grow something. Even if He doesn't do what we expect, God is always going to grow something, and it may sometimes it's just us. Neither he who plants nor he who waters anything, but only God who makes things grow. Keep the center on the center. Center on the center. He is, Jesus is the center of the center. We're coming up on Holy Week. Coming up in the next two weeks, we have a lot of opportunities for us. I don't know about you, but I need to constantly be re-centered in my life, right? Right? and you're going to have multiple opportunities in the coming weeks to do that and to have come together as a community and there's lots of venues for that different things work for different people we're going to have on April 1st we're going to have a um a stations of the cross in this room where you can go and you can kind of walk with Jesus through pictures there'll be pictures of Jesus in his certain places when he walked that path toward the cross that can be you know take him to his cross that'll be uh that's one way to kind of get re-centered on the center you can come Good Friday uh, for a time of meditation here during the day or during the evening for a service. Monday, Thursday, there'll be, before Good Friday, there'll be a, a dinner in here and then a service after that. And of course, Easter Sunday. And of course, the, even, the, even the, um, uh, the egg hunt is a place. Watch children chase after eggs. That'll recenter center you. Yeah? I don't know about you, but I need it. Because the the upside of neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow, is that God is growing stuff. God, help us to see and to stay out of the way so that we can be free to be part of what we see. You are faithful, Lord. We love you. Amen.